What up? This is Yinka Diz. Peace. This is Outlaw. And you listen to the 80s Babies Podcast. And on today's episode, we have a 25-year tribute for the debut album yeah. of Jay-Z, Sean Carter, Reasonable Doubt, released June 25th, 1996. 25 years. Yeah, this is one of the ones that that is like kind of a no-brainer to do. Oh, obviously. Um, but it's weird because, you know, like we didn't do Elmatic because it was like everything's been said about Elmatic already. I know. Um, I know. But at the same time, like I feel like maybe we're in a good enough groove that we probably maybe can can offer our own um, hater opinion uh, or, or whatever you want to call it uh, for this one. So. <laughs> well, I do have some takes, I think, that probably haven't been said. Oh, wow. I'm sure you do as well. Okay. Regarding Reasonable Doubt. Okay. Illmatic, I think, I think you're right. Yeah. It's hard for either of us to really come up with things that haven't been said before just because yeah. that's an album that has been dissected since it came out. Facts. And it's kind of like the it's kind of like the North Star like of like this whole yeah. hit, talking about hip hop shit. Yeah. So that's also probably why, it, you know, there's not really very many original takes that you can have about it. There's an argument to be made that Nas's Illmatic is the greatest hip hop album of all time. Right. I don't necessarily agree with that. But if you had that take, I can't really argue against it either. Yeah, that's not the case for Reasonable Doubt. Um, I don't even think Jay-Z fans think that this is his best album, although there was that debate what? between there was that debate between Reasonable Doubt and Blueprint. But my point, though, is that there was a debate, right? That's fair. I think you and I fall squarely in the Blueprint camp. But, I mean, Jay-Z himself says that Reasonable Doubt is his best album. And I think a lot okay. of his fans think that this is his best album for sure. That might be fair. Um, look, I've been listening. <laughs> it's weird because this actually is not an album that I revisit all that often. There are songs mm -hmm. that I revisit. Mm -hmm. But this is not an album that I've revisited, to be honest probably since college um wow. in, in its entirety in its wow. entirety like start to finish it's probably been that long since i listened to the entire thing start to finish on a on a routine basis um, that's weird like I you don't first year you don't like you don't like calibrate your ears every once in a while because i know i do like i'll i'll like every once in a while maybe every year to two years i'll pull out the albums that are supposed to be the best album just to yeah. hear it again and be like was I tripping? Like, were we tripping? You know, like, or is this as amazing as we thought it was? You this know, is one of those I, albums. I tell you what, um, I never actually thought to do that until you you said so. Mm. But I I appreciate that you do that. Um, I feel like this podcast is one of those things for mm. both of us. Yeah. But I'm glad that you just do that independently. Yeah, because it's like it's like okay for example right like we 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 get we just the last episode was arguing back and forth about kendrick right so it's like right, right, kendrick right. drops an album everybody's like oh my god it's a classic right and so it's mm -hmm. like okay am i listening to this with 2020 ears and that's why I it's a classic you. or when i go back and i listen to this other album that i said was amazing in 1997 right. does this other shit we're saying is great hold up to what we're calling and vice versa all right, so let me address this. So I think that's a very good point. I do do that. I don't think I've done that with this album. I don't do that with a lot of albums from the 90s because there's mm -hmm. really no need. Because when I do go back to listen to them, I'm just, I just want to listen to them. Okay. Right? Like I've never gone back to listen to Illmatic for the intended purpose to say like, is this album as good as I thought it was? It's like, nah, I'm <laughs> listening to it because it's that good. Right? Yeah. I have done that with, um, 
with two chains uh pretty girls oh, like God. trap music <laughs> i knew this yeah. was coming I, I went back to go listen to that because, look, I love that album when it dropped. I think it came out in like 2017. Yeah. I love that album. Then I went back to listen to it re- again recently, and I'm like, mm-hmm. nah, I was this album is still dope to me, to me, yeah. right? Right. But like with this album or like uh, yeah, like, like like Life After Death is a perfect example, right? So Life After okay. Death, it might be my favorite album of all time. It's it's in my top five. It's a good right? one. Yeah, so, it's in my top five. So when I listen to, you know, uh, Good Kid, Mad City, and I'll talk about how amazing Good Kid, Mad City is, every once in a while, I go back to listen to Life After Death to be like, is this really as amazing as I thought it was? Or was I, okay. was I, was there some sort of hype? And every time I listen to it, I'm like, Wow, this is fucking amazing. Every, every time I'm Life similarly death, right? impressed. Life After Death. It's oh, yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's one of the few albums that like, the way I listen to it has never changed. Like, like, like my, my opinions on, on um, Ready to Die have, have, have fluctuated. Like when the first time I heard Ready to Die, I was like, hey, this is cool. And then over time I was like, oh shit, this is really good. Oh shit, this is really, really, really good. Like, so my, my, my opinion changed. Since 1997, when I heard Life After Death, it's literally been as amazing as I thought it was as a kid in middle school. Now, as a grown-ass man with 20-something more years of life experience, it's still as amazing as I thought it was when I heard it then. Interesting. And I don't want to go on a, on a tangent away from Jay-Z towards Biggie. <laughs> Although, you know me, I could talk about Biggie all, all day. Um, it has changed for me in a better way just because there's there's things I understand more about music now Fair. than I did when Fair. I was really getting into life after death. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, like I understood lyrics then, right? Mm-hmm. I understood the flow, the voice, the storytelling. I understood that. Yeah, I understood if a beat like if I liked a beat. I didn't necessarily understand song structure and I didn't okay. understand the cinematic quality or rather I didn't appreciate the cinematic quality right, right. that was in life after death. Like like at the time, I didn't respect the the the, the Puff Daddy musical mm. contributions. Mm-hmm. Not not necessarily as ad libs, which I do yeah. respect, but yeah. just like the musical choices Puff Daddy made. Yep. I didn't respect those back in nineteen ninety nine, two thousand, the way I do, let's say in like two thousand seventeen. Okay. When we went, or 2018, whenever it was, when we went back to go revisit that album. Right. Um, so that 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 is an album that has has changed. Um, and I think this one, Reasonable Doubt, is as well. But that mm-hmm. being said, though, I think that when I went back to revisit this album initially, it was, yeah. you know, the blueprint versus Reasonable Doubt. And since okay. then, there have been other Jay-Z albums that I've gone back to revisit. I, I think that volume one, I actually tend to probably revisit more. Yeah. Volume two, but not for the not for good reasons. Volume two to just be like, wow, <laughs> like this album just isn't isn't necessarily like there's things that I love about it. And there's things that aren't very eh. uh-huh. um an album that I haven't revisited in a long time is Black Album. So that mm. might say something about Black Album. Mm-hmm. Um I think that's yeah. the most overrated album in his catalog. I'll say it, it might many be. people will be mad at me for saying it, but th- that's my opinion. It might be. What, what I will say is that, uh, you know, we're, we're definitely continuing in our Jay-Z year, <laughs> if you will, um, because yeah, last, you know, him. October, November, we did the the Dynasty Rock La Familia. Mm-hmm. In February-ish time frame, we did Volume 3, Make It a Classic. Now we're doing Reasonable Doubt. We're obviously yep. going to be doing Blueprint. Um, Gotta do Blueprint. And I think that will, like, wrap up his entire, <laughs> like, yeah, first, we, we will first need part to of his... Ne- 
We will never need to talk about him ever again. I think I think it would be fun to do Kingdom Come as a make it a classic. But uh, but other than like that, that, maybe no more. <laughs> Jay, that is that is like the hottest bad album probably ever, <laughs> right? Like that'd be a fun one. There's six or seven tracks on that album that are absolutely incredible. Yep. And then there's another eight tracks, nine tracks on that album that are like this shit is garbage, <laughs> just awful. So yeah, but anyway, oh, on today's episode we're 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 giving a tribute to to Regional Doubt. There's no make it a classic. There's no none yes. of that. This is a classic. Yes, um, this is a be. tribute. Yep. And so yeah, you know we've talked about Jay Z plenty. So hopefully we'll you know we'll get a lot of buzz on this episode. But let's just let's just get into it. Where were you when this album came out, and when you first really started listening to it? Man, where was I in '96? I shoot, I don't know what was what was out in '96. I was probably listening Busta to Busta Rhymes, uh, Fuji La. I was listening score. to the Fugees. I was probably listening to TLC because Waterfall was '95, right? So whatever yeah, they '94, '95. Uh, Tupac, All Eyes on Me. Pac uh, was was on the radio. Ready um, to uh, Biggie was still on the radio. Junior Mafia, Biggie always that. has singles. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Flavor in Your Ear was '95. So you know, right. I was probably I was B- probably Bone Thugs in Harmony. Bum, bum, oh bum, yes, bum, yes. Bum, you're right. You're right. Yeah. It was Crossroads, and it was, and yeah. it was, uh, and it was killing me softly. That was where I was at. Right. Um, so you know, it's '96. Um, it's summer '96. So this is the year yeah. that I moved to Cali. So I'm. Um, it's the summer before I'm moving from Chicago to California. Um, you know, I'm listening to a lot of the radio. I think the one thing I remember about this particular summer is my parents had bought me like one of those tapes that was like grammy nominees 96 or some shit like that right so it was like it was like all the hottest shit that was on the radio at the time so i remember Mm -hmm. fuji's uh you know killing me softly was on it i remember crossroads was on it uh there was probably some mariah carey song on it at the time uh you know just whatever was on the radio was what i was listening to um i I definitely wasn't listening to uh jay-z at the time i did not go back and listen to this as we discussed until um you know, volume two comes out, Jay-Z becomes this huge star. Um, and then I go back and I buy all of Jay-Z's shit. And I remember at the time that I did, I think I bought volume one on CD. Yeah. And I only had so much money left. So I didn't have enough money to buy another CD. So I bought okay. Reasonable Doubt on tape. Right, so, I had, right. <laughs> so I had this joint on tape. This is probably around 98. Um, and I remember listening to it for the first time and being underwhelmed, right? And I'll tell you why. Because the reasons why a kid likes Volume 2 as the best album ever and what Mm -hmm. is on Reasonable Doubt is two completely different things. So, like, my expectation, which is, like, Jay-Z as DMX emulator. Right. Was was totally different from what I got on Reasonable Doubt, and it took, right. you know, my my ear being cultivated, my palate being cultivated for me to really understand this album. So like, my me first hearing it, I listened to probably Ain't No Nigga and was like, yeah, I love this song. I remember hearing it on mixtapes back when it was out. Yeah. Um, and then the rest of this, I was like, eh. And then over time, I listened to it again and again and again, and then like, like. Every time I listened to it, like I, I, I liked something else. So I remember the second time I listened to it. Remember at the time, I remember at the time, I loved uh, Primo. 
Right. So the evils stuck out to me. Mm-hmm. And like yeah. the story, you know, uh, feeding her fifties and you know, like it just, it just really like, I was like, wow, like this story is an incredible story. Um, so it was like that, that, you know, Primo beat stood, stood out to me. And then I checked out the other Primo beats on the album. And so it was like, it was almost like an academic masterclass that taught me things every time I listened to the album. So that was my experience. Where were you? So in 1996, we already mentioned some of the music that came out. Jay-Z was not on my radar, but mm-hmm. Ain't No Nigga or Ain't No Player was a single. That <laughs> yeah. was something that was on the radio and that yep. had a heavy rotation. And I liked yep. it. Mm-hmm. I liked it. Did I know who sang it? No. I didn't. The name Jay-Z didn't really mean anything to me, probably until right. um, I'll Be Good. I think it, mm-hmm. uh, I'll Be Good. Yeah, I and, remember um, that. That was the the Sprunk. Right. And the Joint on the Sprung soundtrack. Who you um, with? Who you with? Yeah. That's when the name Jay-Z started to mean something. Ain't okay. no player. Mm-hmm. Jay-Z was not the name that stuck out to me. Yeah, it was to Foxy. Me, it was Foxy Brown. Right, exactly. exactly. It was Foxy Brown, right? Um, That's where I was when this came out. Obviously, I wasn't listening to this. I was listening to, you know, Bone Thugs, not Bone Thugs and Harmony, the single, Crossroads. Right. But the albums that I had were uh, Busta Rhymes, The Coming, which came out okay. in March of this year. Okay. And Fuji's The Score, mm-hmm. which came out in February. We, mm-hmm. we did the tribute episode for, for, for The Score. Those were the things that I was definitely listening to. I mean, I also listened to TLC, right. whatever. Um, I knew a lot more about Biggie. I knew a lot more about Pac. Pac was... It's heavy on the radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I was actually probably a bigger fan of Tupac at the time than I was of Biggie. Um, but both were both were pretty ubiquitous. But I didn't purchase either of the albums. Oh yeah, California Love was was around this time, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. California Love was yeah. That was at the end of '95 and then beginning of '96 right. as a single. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So I think it wasn't until maybe 2000 that I actually went back to listen to this, and this is mm-hmm. you know. After my junior year in high school, or I guess maybe it was after my after my sophomore year, mm-hmm. entering into my junior year, that summer, so that's the summer of 1999, okay. um, I was really going back to, to listen to like the early New York legends, right? So, you know, mm-hmm. KRS-One, Rakim, Big Daddy Kane, Cool G Rap. I got into Nas. Um, mm-hmm. I started getting into Nas and then I started to getting into Biggie and Jay-Z that that my junior year in high school. And because mm-hmm. I'm really, really writing and I'm really studying and I'm really trying to get good. And so Biggie is the first person who just like, I was like, wow, I was totally wrong about this guy. He's incredible. Mm-hmm. Right. Because at first, you know, the I think, you know, in 1998, I didn't really understand why Biggie was so great. Like, okay. I didn't get it. I was like, Biggie, like, who the fuck cares? Like, yeah, he's hot, but who cares? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I probably... Looked at Biggie the same way I looked at like Mace or Puff Daddy, you know what I mean? Because you were like, like then, you were in the Wu Tang chamber. I, no, well, in 1998, what? yes, but before that, mm-hmm. you know, when Biggie was alive, I just didn't understand like what good lyrics were. Okay, you know what I mean? Like I understood like a good vocal performance, but like Biggie wasn't that guy to me. Okay, um, but I started getting into Biggie and I started to like really, really appreciate his work, and I'm starting to get into Jay Z around that time. So it's around. It's around this time, 2000, 2001, we're really, really studying Jay-Z as well. And Reasonable Doubt is one of those records mm-hmm. um, that, that I like. Like, it was good. And like I said on the previous episode, I don't, I don't remember which one it was. But this is a time when, like, 
I'm going back to study music. So you don't go back to study the trash. Right. You go right. back to exactly. study like, you know, the stuff that rises mm-hmm. to the top. So it's like, of course, reasonable doubt is good. Right. This would have been the shit that everybody was telling you to listen to. Exactly. Like, oh, you like, oh, you should listen to reasonable doubt. Exactly. Right. But I'm not listening to it like it's a classic. I'm mm. listening to it like it's just another hip hop album. Of course, it's good. Right. right. Like that's right. that's kind of my frame of mind. So that's where I really get into this album. Um, and I think it was probably, yeah, before my first year in college was when I was like, nah, like Reasonable Doubt is, is, is Jay-Z's best work, mm-hmm. right? So I think by the time Blueprint comes out, I'm already of the mind that Reasonable Doubt is his best album. Like individually, you said that it was his best or or other people had told you that it was his other best? Other people had told me that, but I had also, I had agreed okay, with you them. you had affirmed it. Yeah, gotcha. I had agreed with them that gotcha. this is his best album. This is before Blueprint comes out. And even after Blueprint comes out, it kind of takes me years to be like nah maybe blueprint might might be better um Mm. but if people want to say the reasonable doubt is better Mm -hmm. i can i i can understand the argument i think vocally he's way more seasoned and way more mature and just way more polished on blueprint and some of the things that they would do musically i thought were just like unprecedented at the time yeah um but i don't want to take anything away from this album like if you think this Mm -hmm. is his best like i get it I totally yeah. get it. I think another thing to consider, right, is like the difference in what is being dissected on the blueprint and what's being dissected on Reasonable Doubt. Like I think right. Reasonable Doubt does a really good job in dissecting like the the psyche of the generic hustler, right? Like okay. like man, these are the things that a that a I'm random hustler on X corner or random drug kingpin. This is what I'm thinking. Whereas I feel like Blueprint with, you know, records like Mama Loves Me, like really told me something about Sean Carter, like the person. And yeah. um, and I think that like maybe for me personally, that resonated a little bit more with me because it felt it felt more like authentic to speaking of a man rather than like just a generic occupation, if that makes sense. Okay. All right. So uh, critical reception. Critical reception. This is this is funny. Uh, I think you know now, uh, posthumously or whatever you want to call it, in 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 hindsight, everybody says this is the greatest album ever. It's it's amazing. <laughs> it's top notch. I think when I look at the review scores here on Wikipedia, they all seem to be fairly um, on point. You know, uh, I see some A's here. I see some five stars here. Um, but source I feel like gave it four mics out of five. I feel like the source was was more aligned with how people really felt about it, right? They gave it four yeah. out of five stars, um, and I feel like most of the things that I saw around that time also felt like it was like a four a four out of five star. Uh, what, what, yeah. what what's your thought thought on? Uh, I mean, look, this was not an album that my peers were talking about, okay. um, and I think it's very important to state that. Where were you physically? Were you in LA? You um, in so, so July, just before my birthday, I moved to to Cali. So I was still in okay. in Chicago, kind of in transit on my way right. uh, to California. So obviously, you know, whenever we talk about the where were you physically, mm-hmm. I was always in the same place, which is Northern Virginia, right? right. Um, which is why I tend to just focus on where I was in life and what I was listening to, right? Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. it's you know, one place I wasn't was in New York. Mm-hmm. And I definitely wasn't in Brooklyn. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's um, right. and when I did go up to Columbia for uh, you know, like an academic workshop for like a for like a month, that would have been, I guess, the summer of nineteen ninety nine, right? Like, 
you know, I'm not sure if I was really in tune with like the hip hop world at the time because, like I said, that's when I was going back to listen to old shit, right? So I think it's very important to to state that because you know, look, if there's one thing I learned with going to college with a bunch of people from New York is that they talk about (laughs) New York hip hop, right? They definitely did at the time, and they know all the shit about New York hip hop because I think they just grew up with it differently, right? Like these, this wasn't just something kind of like abstract on the radio. It's like nah, like this was in their neighborhood, and in some cases, right? And so, you know, it would have been really good for us to try to get you know, the critical reception of someone living in New York. Mm-hmm. And look, I, I know that you could say the same thing for anybody, right? Like you could say the same thing for people who grew up in Atlanta around Outkast. Right. Or, you know, folks who grew up in Houston or 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 Port Arthur with, with UGK, whoever, right? Like I, I right. get that. But like I think that there's something about New York that's just special and different. Because for one and I'm not saying they're right or wrong about this, but mm-hmm. I think it's a fact that for many of them, at least growing up around our time, they felt like they owned hip hop. Yes. Right now, they may look back on that and be like, "No, nah, I never felt that way." Right. They're all fucking liars because they all fucking felt that way. Nah, that's I know facts. that shit. It's hilarious because right? it's it's funny that you say that because um I I don't listen to it as much, but I, I used to listen to Drink Champs a lot, and there's always been this kind of underlying argument between the two hosts of of Drink Champs because. Their, their, their podcast is based out of Miami, um, mm-hmm. but Nori is very clearly from Left Rat Queens, right? And so, right. you know, DJ EFN, his his co-host is, is like, yo, there was a period of time where New York was like, yo, we own hip hop, fuck everybody else. Exactly. And, and Nori's like, nah, that's not true. Like, we, we, we yeah. always had love for everybody else. And EFN's like, that's just not true. And so whenever yeah. they have like, uh, like uh, guests that come from New York, he always asks them or every once in a while, it'll come up in the conversation and they'll be like, oh yeah, we definitely thought that. Like, we definitely was like, fuck all y'all. We, we, we from New York, like hip hop is ours. And I think like, at least the rest of us definitely viewed it as though it was that way. So yeah. I, you know, I don't know, and and I think that you know, to be fair to Nori, he's also approaching this from the perspective of an artist, as an artist, right? Yeah. And and New York hip hop artists aren't necessarily the same thing as New York New York hip hop listener, right? Yeah, there are plenty of fair. New York hip hop artists who loved hip hop from all over the country, mm. right? Like Jay Z is one of them. Try Call Quest is another. Mm. There are plenty, you know, Biggie. That's we'll revisionist. You think so? Cause I mean, even the the behind the scenes conversations where Jay didn't love these niggas, Memphis Bleak loved these niggas, and kept being like, "Yo, is. you should work with these people because commercially it would help you." Ah, okay. So like, well, the, okay. the, I know the big I know that's not thing, tribe, you know, though. et cetera. But but what? I do know that Q Tip loved um, Q Tip oh. loved Ghetto Boys. Ghetto Boys. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Q Tip Q Tip is definitely. And I, I think right. everybody loved Ghetto Boys though. Like I feel like they were okay. an, an anomaly. Like everybody loved them from the beginning. Nevertheless, I can understand the argument that maybe the the rappers themselves had love for everybody, but I'm yeah, more specifically yeah, yeah. talking about when we talk about critical reception, we're talking about what the fans think, what the yeah. what the audience thinks, right? Mm-hmm. And the fans and the journals, right? Mr. Robert Christagau, whoever the fuck, and I don't even know <laughs> if he was from New York, but we're just going to say he was from New York, whatever. You know, they had this just kind of aura about them as if like they understood hip hop better than everybody else. It was theirs, and so like yep. they had first say. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, and so, look, I'm not saying that's right. I'm not saying that's wrong. It was a thing, but I think mm-hmm. that when it comes to Jay Z, and when I think that when it comes to one of their own, especially mm-hmm. someone as big as Jay Z, 
that yeah. does matter and that is yeah. an opinion that i had to respect because it's like look mm-hmm. you know i'm in middle school in in northern virginia the dmv dc area yeah and people aren't really like arguing about jay-z like the big mm-hmm. name is is biggie is Pac, mm-hmm. right it's 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 bone thugs and harmony and then of course after 9 p.m we've got go-go right right and in fact like that's what most of the kids are actually listening to is some go-go music mm-hmm. Um, no one's really like arguing about Jay-Z and Nas, which is might have been the conversation in a middle school classroom in Brooklyn, New York. Like, who yeah. knows? Like, I'm that's just I'm guessing that's what it was. I feel like it wasn't. And and, and not to you say so? that I know anything about New York, but you know, um I, I this was around the time, you know, maybe the 96, 97, like the time frame where Jay was coming up, where like I was starting to pay attention to these like Funk Master Flex freestyles and these DJ yeah. Clue tapes and things like that. And so like Jay-Z was clearly one of the individuals who was kind of in this pool of artists that was vying for like this kind of king of New York spot, right? And so they're all, you know, you kind of start to see the same names coalesce around all these tapes, whether it was a doo-wop tape, it was a a clue tape, it was a, you know, any of these guys that were making these tapes, like Jay-Z was one of the names that you saw. But I just don't think that it was like, and again, I wasn't in New York, but it, it just doesn't seem like he was clearly the guy. Um, and, you know, part of that may have been an image, an image issue. Um, you know, yeah. I, I remember seeing an interview with, uh, with with Dame Dash and he talked about getting on board early on in the early days of of, of working with Jay-Z. And he was talking about how, like, being from Harlem, something that was really important was you know, fashion and style and et cetera. And that they felt as though niggas from Brooklyn just clearly didn't have any of that. (laughs) And so he felt like when he first saw Jay-Z, he was like, oh yeah, Brooklyn nigga. And then when when he saw how he was rapping and he saw that apparently, I think he said he had a pair of Air Ones on or something like that. He had like a pair of shoes that was clearly fresher than he thought that any Brooklyn nigga should ever dress. <laughs> and then that was when he decided that he was going to work with this guy from Brooklyn, even though he felt like Brooklyn niggas didn't have no style. Now, you know, Imhotep or whoever could come on here and tell me that, yo, <laughs> Brooklyn niggas are the freshest and I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. But I feel like something that Jay-Z kind of lacked for individuals like probably you and I, who were just listening to whatever the fuck was on the radio and whatever was going on, was kind of the the theatrics and the style and the flash and the panache that we saw from some of the other artists. Nas is another yeah. artist that you mentioned. He was coming from New York. He was walking around with no shirt on, with his chain on and a Braveheart tattoo. Like those things are flashy enough that, you know, people like us see them. His voice was very distinct. Those were the yeah. things that were gonna like make you connect on a mainstream level that I don't know that Jay-Z necessarily did at this point in time. So well in 1996, I think you're right, but mm-hmm. I didn't articulate this well. So 1996, yeah, I, I think you have a good point. But in 1998 and mm-hmm. 1999, when mm-hmm. Jay-Z is the thing, yeah. one of the things that they're probably talking about is Reasonable's Out as well. Because it's you know a staple piece in his catalog, and now people are going back right. to listen to that more. And now they're probably starting to talk about it. So I, mm-hmm. I didn't articulate that well. But I, I think so, your point is probably valid. But nevertheless, yeah, no, we're just talking I don't know. About I, wasn't this time there, I wasn't in New York, so I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're just talking about this time frame. And I mean, you know, again, and we can we can move on after this, but... In, in looking at the wiki and doing the research for this episode, like one of the things that it talked about was that this is still his least selling album in his catalog and it didn't yeah. go platinum until, you know, five, 10 years down the, down the line, right? I mean, not 10 right. years, but five years down the line. So, so you know, 
while we all say it's a classic and we love it and whatever, it's revisionist, this is one of the most successful hip hop artists of all time. And this is his still yeah. least selling, you know, project of his his catalog. So got you. All right. Well, should we get into the uh, highlights and the lowlights? Yeah, let's do it. So overarching highlights for me, I will say the consistent musical palette that you mm -hmm. hear throughout the album, right? Yeah. Um, we just did an episode about what makes a classic. We were talking about like cohesiveness, particularly right. when it comes to the music. Yeah. And this is an album that just like, especially for someone who's like uh, partially synesthetic like I am, mm -hmm. um, this just feels like there's yes. like a lot of like mooded, like bluish kind of notes for me. I don't know about yeah. anybody else. No, Maybe agree. their colors are different, mm -hmm. but like it's consistent throughout the album. Yeah. Right. Um, not only that, there's no wasted space on this album. Yeah. Like I think it clocks in at 55 minutes and it's just mm -hmm. like every single, every single beat, every single song, every single lyric feels like it's not it wasted. Yeah, I agree. You know, it feels like it belongs and yeah, yeah. And, and there's nothing wasted. There's no wasted time on this album and everything just yeah. runs through solid. Like you said, you got this as a tape. This is probably a good album to get on tape because it's one that you could just listen straight through. Yeah, for sure. That's probably my biggest overarching highlight is just, mm -hmm. like I said, the consistent musical palette. Um, you know, Jay-Z, Dame Dash, and, and Kareem Biggs as executive producers, mm -hmm. um, because I think that they were, they were amateurs at the time, were they not? Technically, you yeah. know, I, I don't I know that this was Jay's Jay's big project, uh, mm -hmm. first project. I'm mm -hmm. assuming it was the same for Dame Dash and Kareem. Mm -hmm. um, but for them to get this right straight off, straight off the bat, like, you know, sometimes I think that we kind of look at Jay-Z as someone who who understands what's hot, but doesn't always understand music. Mm -hmm. And and I think it many times that's probably fair. But like, man, he really gets it right on this one like there's a that's lot real. of like musical choices that they made that he real. was actually a part of that yeah. really 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 made sense yeah um like when you think about like how the D the evils comes together where mm -hmm. you know that's that's jay-z's choice to get snoop dogg's uh vocal sample on there right like yeah. there's just things that they that he just understood and so for them to get this right on their first first try yeah. um all these people who are relatively inexperienced for music like it, mm -hmm. it's just i don't know it's quite impressive to, to double click on your point there because i completely agree with you um i do remember hearing a, an interview and you know mind you this person does uh exaggerate a bit but but uh irv Gotti interview and you know he mm -hmm. was talking about how you know in the same way dj quick feels like he's kind of an uncredited executive producer of all eyes on me Right. Uh, that he was very, you know, hands-on in this time frame for Jay, um, you know, just in, in terms of connecting him with producers and saying, hey, you should rap on this and you should put this together and et cetera. Um, and so I think, you know, if he was also a part of the vision of what created the sound here, uh, great okay. job. And it's very cohesive. Um, and, and, and the palette just really, really works for what Jay was trying to do. Um, and then I guess just... You know, the last highlight for me is obviously, you know, just, I mean, just Jay-Z. I mean, his yeah. lyrics on here, they're just, Jay-Z, what can I yep. say? Yep. You know, he's one of the greatest of all time. He's in Fast. my elite tier for a reason. Mm -hmm. You know, people argue that this is the greatest, his greatest album of all time for yeah. a reason. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So I'll expound on that. Uh, Jay-Z is, is my highlight of highlights. Um, and, you know, I think the thing about Jay-Z that I love on this album, and, it, and I think I love it more as I get older, um, is, you know, Jay-Z just had a, a kind of a subtle wittiness and charm to him. 
Right. And it's something that, again, I wouldn't have picked out as a, you know, 12 year old or however old I was when I when when, you know, this came out and I or I would have listened to it for the first time. But like, I just love it the older I get. And I feel like I remember when Jay-Z came out and Jay-Z really blew up. There was all there's all this talk about how old Jay-Z was when he started, right? Like there was all yeah. all this talk of like, oh, yo, Jay-Z puts out his first album when he's 26. That's old as fuck. Now yeah. we, we can look in hindsight and be like, damn, we thought 26 was old as fuck. That's crazy. But right. there's a certain experience to him that I really, really appreciate, you know, mm-hmm. as a as a, an an adult. Um, you know, in a certain way that a lot of hip hop artists had a very like, look at me, look at me, check me out, I'm the shit type of, of of vibe to them. Jay has more of the like, I'll walk down the hill and get them all type of a, 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 a wit to him that I really, really appreciate on this album. Okay. So, um, and then I'll, I'll continue on. My other highlights, uh, I said production, which you said right. as well. Um, I feel like the, the words I used was cohesive, minimal, and melodic. Um, yeah. I think, you know, when I when I really think about my criticisms that I've had in the past of the the Jay-Z and Timbaland comparison or, or, or collaboration, I think when I really think about it, it's because of the fact that Jay-Z has such a such a laid back and such a just I don't know, like like a, a thought about style to him that like deliberate deliberate that's a great word for it deliberate and like it's like it almost doesn't necessarily match the way timbaland produces all the time that might be um, fair and i feel like the i feel like we've talked in a, in in the past about ski and and his his production style and how like mm-hmm. he he has this kind of style where he basically lets the sample do all the work right like the sample right. does the heavy lifting and then he adds some drums kind of that complement specific pieces of the sample, but the sample does the majority of the work. And mm-hmm. I feel like on this, this project, like the production lets the sample do most of the work. And then Jay just almost like, just finds the perfect pockets. And I, it's just like a, a perfect marriage. Right, right, okay. Uh, so yeah, production, um, features. Yeah. Uh, um, I wrote that there are no bad features on this album. I have a muh feature. But What's no bad that? features. Uh, ja- Jazzo, Jazzo is kind of is kind of uh, the, the nigga said Farfik Nugent. Thank you. <laughs> he says Farfik Nugent on that. Like what? Like what? Whatever nigga Farfik Nugent. <laughs> I hate that line. <laughs> it's but a bad uh, line. but but the you know the the that's the worst feature on the project, and it's not bad. It's just that particular yeah. line and a couple others bother me. Um, but but. Features are really good. I think I think most folks really uh, knocked it out the park here with their features. Um, I, I said samples chosen. Yeah, um, very good samples. Great samples, man. And I mean, yeah. you know, like I said, the samples do most of the work here. So it's just like, you know, they, they choose samples that go perfectly with with the, the subject matter and with Jay's voice. And then Jay just, you know, kills it every time. Um, and then my last my last highlight is sequencing. Mm. Um, OK, that's a good one. We've talked about how I like I like two acts to my my mm. albums, especially my longer albums, and this clearly has two acts, right? Like you with, get the twenty two twos, twos coming in the middle, right? You get twenty two yeah. twos in the middle, almost like a skit. You know, it's got the whole live feel to it, and then right. you get the second half of the album. Okay, so, those I are my like highlights. that. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, well, let's get into the uh, the track for track highlights, and uh, why don't you start it off? Sure. Uh, can't knock the hustle. 
Damn. Can I highlight. Go? All right. Go for it. It's actually not one of my highlights. So. Oh, really? Okay. So I, I, I'll take it, man. Um, man, yeah. I, this beat is so smooth, and it's interesting because I don't, I don't know nobody's catalog like that, and maybe I, I should right. click through it. But I feel like I've seen his name like maybe on two or three J albums. And every time it's a nobody record, it's a joint that I like. Because I feel like there's a record that I really like off of uh, volume two. That's also a nobody production. And then I feel like there's a, yeah, still not a player. Exactly. Is, is, uh, was produced by, by nobody. So, um, yeah, man, uh, really, really dope beat. Uh, that baseline is is insane, and then, yeah, the baseline is dope. When they, this is back when they didn't necessarily reperform the baselines, right? They just kind of like filtered over the yeah, exactly. And, yeah, exactly. Filtered baseline, <laughs> you yep, can tell, yep. and you can hear it. And I then used to do that shit too. And then Mary just Mary just kills. This so shit. I, I I think Mary's the reason why the song is not a highlight to me. It's okay. not that she's bad. I just think that on other hip hop features, she's done a better mm-hmm. job. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of like. I think it's it's memorable because of like the lyrics on the hook, less mm-hmm. her performance, and just like the fact mm. that she's there. Yeah. Um, that's why it's not a highlight to me. But I will say, yeah. I love in particular his last verse when he says, um, mm. he says, uh, uh, "I'll tell you, uh, tell you what you're not though, me slick like El Gato, fucking Jay Z." Like the idea that. And like El Gato, like a Spanish cat, is somehow just like slicker than a regular cat. Um, but like his lyrics on that and his flow, like, and I know he just did it because it, it rhymed, right? I'm just yeah, saying, like, yeah, yeah. slick like El Gato, fucking Jay Z. It's like, yeah, fucking Jay Z. This was nice. <laughs> no, nah, like, but uh, look, okay. it's a good song. It's just, it's just not one of my highlights if I'm going to highlight something. You know what I mean? So I feel like Mary J. Um, is somebody who I, I think among people who are really into singing, y- you kind of get mixed reviews. Yeah. Um, but sure. but but she is truly uh, an emotion singer. Oh you yeah. Know, people no have doubt. people no have doubt. even given her she's a screamer, right? Fine. But the 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 emotion that she conveys, even here with you know, but until then they think I'm the one who's crazy and that's the way you're making me feel. That's what makes the record like. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, while you may say she's like what makes it not a highlight for you, I feel like her performance is what pushes it over the edge. I got you. I mean, look, it's an iconic song for real. Everybody knows yeah. Can't Knock the Hustle. It's yep. just, you know, I also don't necessarily want to highlight every single song on the album because okay. I, I probably could. Yeah. You know okay. That's I mean? fair. So it's it's a song that's definitely worth mentioning and we definitely yeah. have to discuss it, but it's not one of my my highlights in fact okay. why don't we just go through we might as well just yeah. go through track for track and say whether or not it is a highlight that's real because i mean on the real like the the runs are what makes the album so the, you know i don't think there's there is no song on here that's a track low light for me there's none yeah i don't have any either. i might have an overarching highlight low light maybe yeah maybe maybe so i every song every song is probably worth discussing we don't have to to get into a long <laughs> conversation about cool. it but why don't we just go on Let's to the next it. one? Well, why don't you talk usual, about wow. politics as usual? You got it. Again, this is another one of those where, like, the palette, the way that the 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 voice on the sample kind of goes in. Um, I, what the? Who is this? Is this like a stylistics record or something? Dramatics, but it's like the there's like a woman on the sample, right? This way again. This way, oh yeah, this hurry way, up this way again. That's a stylistics, I think. Right. I'm about to look right. It up. Is that a woman singing that though, or is that just nah, nah, that's singing? the that's the lead singer. 
Alright, well Hurry up this way again Right, like just Man, like the way Just like the melody comes together It almost doesn't even matter what the hell he's talking about (laughs) I know I, I I kinda like this because to follow can't knock the hustle with a song like Politics as usual. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is a song that a lot of New Yorkers understand. Mm-hmm. Or at least at least the New Yorkers I met first year in college that wanted to act like hustling and making money was like the end all be all to everything. <laughs> right? Like and like making moves and your maneuvers and understanding like how how people operate, like politics as usual just I don't know. For me, it's just a song that resonates as Resonates for me as someone who like knows New Yorkers. Like that's that's pretty much all I can say about it. Is that I, I think that the um, this sample is is perfect. Like yeah, it's, yeah, it's I, really I, I mean, and, and it, it does most of the work. I think the other great thing is I love samples that sound like they're saying something different than what mm-hmm. they're actually saying. But the thing that I think yeah. they're saying lends itself to what the ra- rapper is rapping about. So in this okay. case, when I heard this. I thought it was saying, it's me again, it's me, uh, it's me again. And I'm just like, oh, shit, it's me. This is hard. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, but I love this sample, and I love, you know, what Jay is talking about. He just, it's crazy because it's not, it, like, like this is this is early Jay, right? Like, right. He knew, he knew his strength wasn't, yo, I'm not going to make these killer hooks that everybody fucks with. Let me just get a beat that does most of the heavy lifting and let yeah. me talk my shit. And he does and it and it works. Is it a highlight for you? Yeah. But but the the okay. whole the, the whole run all the way up to, to 22 yeah. twos is a highlight is a highlight for me. So gotcha. There's that. All right. Well then next highlight, obviously, and this is a highlight for me, is is Brooklyn Finest. Jigga. Um, I mean, bigger, uh, nigga. How nigga, you figure? How you figure? <laughs> um, I mean, look, I I'm not saying that Ecstasy by Ohio Players on its own is, is not a good song. It is a good song. But I'm not sure if I ever listened to Ecstasy by Ohio Players, if not for Brooklyn's Finest. In fact, like Ecstasy is one of the songs that at least when I was in college, like I had that song on my playlist just by itself. Right. You know what I mean? Like because I love that song, Ecstasy. But like mm. the the choice for that sample. Um, is really really good, and then of course you have you have Biggie on here, and of, yeah. and this is probably one of the most infamous songs on the right. album in terms of the lore behind right, right. who wrote first and didn't write first. I've right, heard so right. many different stories, uh-huh. so many different stories, uh-huh. right? Like I heard another, I, I just read another one today that apparently uh-huh. the beat was on. They they had a pen in the pad. They dropped the pen. They both they both pushed the pen to the other one yeah, and they both pushed it away one. because like that was them indicating they that they didn't write. They it's didn't like, write. All right, yeah, right. Like I don't think that happened. I don't think that either. What story do you think happened? If I'm really really honest, the like the the social engineering of Jay Z tells me that that Big probably didn't write and then Jay-Z right. probably also did not write because he didn't want to be outdone by by Big. That 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 would be how I would probably see it. That is how look, the story that I heard, the first story I heard was that um Jay-Z never wrote. So Biggie comes into the studio and it was this song that inspired Biggie not to write. And okay. then later it was like, nah, Biggie stopped writing because during Ready to Die because you know, Puff was hovering over his shoulder and mm. he was like, he was, he was tired of it. And he just was just like starting to feel the beat. And if okay. you listen to Ready to Die, you can actually see the growth mm-hmm. between like, nah, like the first six tracks, like he's writing. Yeah. And then after that, like you can tell, like 
Nah, it switches up. Because the first story of Biggie that I ever heard of him not writing is Juicy. And that predates this, mm-hmm. right? Where they mm-hmm. said that he just sat there for mad long and, and like he just came and just, they're like, yo, what the fuck? And then finally he just comes in and he's like, I got it. And he just walks in the booth and starts rapping. So, I mean, that predates this. Exactly. So. To me, the story that makes the most sense is the one where, you know, Biggie and Jay-Z were actually meeting each other for the first time. Because Mm -hmm. as well, I thought that Jay-Z and Biggie actually knew each other because they went to the same high school. And that's not true. This is the second time they met. Was it the second time they met? What was the the first time? The first time they met was at the Dead Presidents music video, which was just before this. So not, not, not too long off. Because Biggie is in the Ain't No Nigga video. Oh, is that what it was? Because I feel like I he's read the, that he, it was the Dead Prez video where they met. Maybe it's maybe it's Ain't No Nigga. Oh, uh, he's definitely in the Ain't No Nigga video. But here it is. They went here it the, is on on the on the Wikipedia. Although the rappers had met before on the Dead President's music video. Okay. Set. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. So they went to the same high school as, as well as Busta Rhymes. Busta Rhymes knew. He might have actually known both of them, but they did not yeah. know each other in high school. Right. Right. Because I think they were a few years apart. Obviously, Jay Z was older than Big. And so, you know, they, they get into the studio and word was that Biggie didn't write his verse. He was just ready to go in. And Jay-Z was like, wait, what? He, he didn't write? Well, if he didn't write, I'm not oh. going to write. That's the story to me that seems like it makes the most sense. I don't know. What, what's your take yeah. on it? Nah, that's probably how it happened. So uh, the so. other piece uh, or anecdote that I want to throw out here is um, I, I was listening to a podcast with uh, Clark Kent. And he was talking about how, uh, first of all, these two are his favorite rappers already at this time. In his mind, he says that these two are going to be the greatest rappers in the world, which if he really knew that, you know, in 95 or whatever, when he said that he, he, he already knew these two were the best rappers on the face of the planet. That's amazing. But um, so, you know, he wanted to get the two of them together. Ecstasy by Ohio Players is his favorite song. Okay. DJ Clark Kent in the, in the whole world. And yeah. so, you know, in his mind, he wanted to get his his favorite sample and the two best rappers in the world on his favorite sample. And so he had talked about how he had previously made a beat with this Ecstasy Ohio player sample. And he said the beat was trash. Right. Um, and I want to say he said that he tried to get like Jay or somebody on the original version of the beat. It wasn't good. So, you know, when he essentially got the two of them to agree to do a song together, he went back and and either that morning, and that might just be part of the lore. I think he, he said like that morning or something. He like, he looped the beat up again and somehow he made it work. And that's the reason why the shit's not like a straight, it's not a straight like four bar, eight bar loop, you know, like the, yeah. like the normal loops that you get here. And that's why like they kind of had to approach the song the way they approached the song is because it's not like a normal two four bar loop like like most of the other songs that they have here. Yeah. Either way, it's uh yeah, it's a credible way to make the beat. Um <laughs> I really appreciate that he was able to get these two MCs to, to collab because it yeah. is one of my favorite songs from, from both yeah. of their catalogs. One of my favorite yeah. songs on the album. Yeah. It's definitely a highlight for me. Yeah. And yeah, I mean it's just yeah, I don't know what else to say about it. And one of my favorite stories, like, and, you know, now as an artist who has done this whole thing where it's like you write a, a song on the spot where the uh, the other artist goes in and drops two bars and then you walk in the booth after him and you come up with the next two bars and you come up with the next. That kind of like face off thing is very, it's very dope. And it's a really cool mental picture for two of our favorite artists to watch them go back and forth and, and right. construct something like this. Right. So the next highlight um, is Dead Presidents 2. 
Uh, it's a highlight for Yinka. Is it a highlight for me? Hmm. I don't know if it's a highlight for me. It's definitely a song I like. I'm not sure if it's a highlight. But why don't you talk about why it's, it's one of your highlights? Because this is in your in your first run, right? Yeah, I honestly just, if I have to be real, this is n not my favorite song oh, okay. in the run. It might be my least favorite song in the run, actually. Okay. It's still a highlight because it's in the run. Yeah. I think the funny and interesting thing to me is that this was the, the single. Like, he pushed this, oh, he yeah. shot a video for it, the whole nine. And it's like to me, like this is one of the weaker songs in this in this run. So I, I, that's kind of funny to me. It's also interesting that, man, Nas just did not like Jay Z ever. You know what I mean, <laughs> like Jay Z really, really wanted Nas on. Uh, he wanted Nas to rap the sample, and Nas wouldn't do it. Is that what happened? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they just used a vocal sample. I know I paid God Searchlight Publishing. <laughs> Yo, they had MC Search on um on uh Drink Champs and he was on there talking about how like he didn't he didn't jerk Nas and he got Nas the best deal of all time and all this other stuff. He he really doesn't like that line. <laughs> well, it is what it is. But nevertheless, um I think it's cool that Ski, I was I was reading about this, and mm -hmm. Ski is actually the one who wanted to use Nas because I think it's um, mm. you know the I'm out for presidents to represent me. That's mm -hmm. on uh, who uh, the world is yours, right? For you know from mm -hmm. Pete Rock, and he just loved the piano sample on the world is yours. I mean, how can he not? It's one of the greatest like right. piano samples ever, right? And so he was trying to find his piano sample. I think he uses like a Jamal, maybe mm -hmm. I forget which one he. Uses. Yeah, it's a Jamal. Is it? Uh -huh. and so he also wanted to use that line so he was he was trying to get Nas to, to, to feature on it mm -hmm. they didn't do that but instead they just used the uh they just used uh, the, the vocal the vocal yeah. sample um but yeah i mean it's a good song it, it definitely works in the run it, it helps bridge you know dead presidents to, to to feeling it which is yeah uh, i mean that's one of my highlights for sure yeah i think uh, again right this double clicks on two things one the the way songs, hip hop songs were constructed in the time, right? Which is, mm -hmm. you know, you just have a DJ scratch some shit and that's the hook. Yeah. And two, Jay-Z as a songwriter, he was not the, yo, you know, I, the guy who makes the big hooks, the guy who makes the big records that you want to hear. Even in an era where, you know, I guess that it was it was more hip hop to do it. He, that still kind of wasn't the, his, his, his persona. And so, right. like, this is like that perfect. I mean, it's a single for him, where he, you know, he takes the maybe the A talent, one of the A talents of the day, and in, in Nas, and and samples him, you know, scratches him on the hook. So. Right. So, uh, uh, feeling it is that a is that a highlight for you? Definitely. It's definitely a highlight for me. Yeah. Um, I don't even really know what to say about it. But this mm. is one of the songs that if I'm. If I just in the mood to go back and listen to a Jay Z song for Reasonable yeah. Doubt, this is yeah. one of the ones that I put on. It's yeah, facts. Um, yeah. I think great. A lot of great music makes you feel something, and this yeah. is one of the few songs on here that like makes you feel something. It it feels like what it says, um, and uh, and man, like just the production is amazing. The hook is amazing, um, and the thought process behind. <laughs> Taking Camp Low off of this and putting Jay Z yeah, on know, it know, is, is amazing as well. Have you heard the version with Camp Low on it? No, I haven't, but I know that they wanted it and they were upset with Ski for giving Jay Z all the dope beats. He's like, "Look, <laughs> how you gonna give him this beat?" Like, well, they already fire. had a song on it. 
Is that what it was? <laughs> yeah. And there's actually floating on the internet. Somebody put the two together where it's like, it's the Camp Low song. And then they tacked on one of Jay-Z's verses. So he's on the song with Camp Low. I think I see that sound though. Yeah. I can yeah. see that. Look, we talk about Mary J. Blige on Can't Knock the Hustle, right? Mm. Mecca on Feeling It is perfect. She sounds great. She sounds I great. mean, she sounds incredible. And there's not even a link on her name in the Wikipedia. I don't know if she ever did anything else. I, I don't know who, who she is, but her vocal contribution on this song is literally perfect. It's, it's, it's incredible. Yeah, facts. Man. Nothing else to add. She, she's great. Yeah, I don't really have anything else to add to this song. I mean, if I could talk about it for 10 minutes, I would, <laughs> but I, I just can't. Just just know that I love it. It's 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 great. So, yep. Yeah. Um, the Evils. This is an interesting one for me because this was not... This is a song that I've always respected, and I knew it was a powerful song, but I did not like this song back in the day. Wow. Um. I'm still not sure how much I love it now, but it is a highlight for me. It's an incredible highlight for me. Mm. Um, this is a weird one. Why don't Why don't you talk a little bit about it first? Sure. Um, you know, I think this one illustrates one of the things that DJ Premier does really, really well, which is just like, you know, kind of take a bunch of jazz pieces and piece them together in this puzzle of his brain and make make something that sounds like a cohesive piece of music. So right. I'll start with that, the beat. It's great. Um, additionally, this is a time frame where the East Coast and the West Coast ain't really all the way gelling like right. that. But the right. West Coast is really dominating still a bit. And so you got this Snoop Dogg sample Yes. On a on a East Coast record, so it matters, yes. right? It's like, wow, okay, shit. That's a, that's you hear Snoop Dogg's voice, and you know Snoop Dogg's voice. It's a distinctive yeah. voice, so that matters. Um, and then we on our podcast multiple times have have t- taken jabs at Jay Z as a storyteller. The storytelling yeah. on this record is good. is incredible. Um, is. and yeah. I think you know. For this album that almost touts itself as this like hustler's handbook who, that's going to tell us what it's like in the life of a hustler, this is one of the records that really kind of illustrates a story that is a very relatable story. And th- and that's one of the reasons why I don't understand why you don't love this song. Because well, I didn't like it musically back in the day. I, the, I didn't dislike it. I just didn't I love think, it musically back I, I think day. from a story perspective, you've spoken a lot about with television and film, you know, the idea of kind of like the flawed hero and like how, you know, you almost need like that gray area to really, for it to be a really realistic story. And so the way Jay-Z paints this picture of him and his friend coming up together and then, you know, getting to a point where they both worship money so much that they don't even speak anymore. And now, you know, he's willing to kidnap his friend's baby mom. Like, like yeah. because because that's how motivated by money he is, yeah. um, is is incredible. And and yeah. one of the lines here that's again I, I talk about this on our podcast a lot. Like these lines that's like, it's not a hot line, but like when you really think about it, it's crazy. Where he says he, he kidnaps Shorty and he's feeding her fifties, you know, whatever yeah. he's and and then he says he says something about like. Something, something from my eyes. Don't cry. I'm gonna take your miseries and make, make them mine. Yeah, the yeah, evils, yeah. right? Like that picture of like. So he's got the woman. He's kidnapped her. She's crying. He is, you know, essentially trying to get this information out of her. 
that line tells me, yo, not only am I so cold-blooded that I'm going to murder this woman, yeah. but then additionally, the additional baggage of now you're you're not here anymore, so you no longer have misery, but your misery is now mine because I, I own it now because now all of these people that I've killed because I'm fucked up, it's gonna I'm gonna carry it with me for the rest of my life as baggage. Like yeah. that is a bar, dog. <laughs> no, look, <laughs> you know the what I'm saying? Whole song is amazing. Yeah. Um, these were things that I didn't necessarily understand at the time. Yeah. And musically, it wasn't one of the songs that really stood out to me, even though like I respected mm-hmm. it. I was I recognized that it was a good song. Yeah. It just wasn't necessarily a highlight for me back then. I think mm-hmm. it's probably fair to say that it's a retrospective highlight for me. Mm-hmm. Even though, like, the song gives me mixed feelings, right? Mm-hmm. So, but it's a good thing that it gives me mixed feelings. It's a good thing. So, so I mm-hmm. we I will call it a retrospective highlight. I think yeah. that one of the things that's crazy is that you know we talk about um, walking contradictions, like someone like Tupac or even DMX, right? And uh-huh. maybe maybe it's unfair to call Tupac a walking contradiction, but at the same time, it's also kind of fair as well, okay. right? And especially if we're going to talk about DMX as well, like you mm-hmm. have this dude who's ruthless. On his whole entire album, yeah, he also was like praying to God mm-hmm. for like all the fucked up shit that's happening in his life, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, while it sounds like inconsistent or hypocritical or contradiction, really, what it tells us as a listener, and this is something that I may not even appreciated two years ago, but I appreciated mm-hmm. it listening to this song, "The Evils," mm-hmm. was that it gives us more a nuanced picture of, yes. of this really flawed human being. Yes. But that's not really what goes on here. Right. Okay. Because we'll I think that I think that when DMX does like his little prayers and whatnot, you really see like, wow, this is like a troubled person who's like wrestling with his demons. Mm-hmm. But that's not what Jay Z does on this song. That's true. He celebrates his demons. But I think that's Jay Z's persona. Exactly. Though. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. He's very different which, from DMX. Which is one of the reasons why I, it kind of gives me mixed feelings because it's like. It's like what he does on this album is the same thing he does on the end of volume one, right? Where it's like okay. he gives us regrets. And that's like him kind of mm-hmm. like finally like expressing. Now that's remorse. on here. Regrets is on here. Right. And then mm-hmm. on volume one, he gives us a song. Um, I think it's You Must Love Me, right? Okay. Um, where he kind of like expresses some remorse. But and I think mm-hmm. in general, when it comes to Jay-Z, and this is something that I don't think I really realized it all these years until mm-hmm. going back to listen to this song, The Evils, just now. Mm-hmm. It's just like, wow, like he really celebrates being an asshole. He really celebrates. But even regrets, he celebrates being an asshole, right? Like, like well, the, yeah. the point of regrets, right, is like, yeah, you know, you, you did some fucked up shit in the past, but I mean, hey, fuck it. We're here it's now. More, that's fair. That's what the song that's is. That's fair. That's fair. I, I think it's more <laughs> of a, an acknowledgement on it. But but nevertheless, though, like, yeah, yeah, that's kind of yeah, like yeah. the only kind of like acknowledgement that we get. Mm-hmm. You know, the rest of the time, mm-hmm. it's just him kind of like celebrating, you know, like his demons. And it's just like, it's it's really, mm-hmm. it's kind of fascinating, actually. Yeah. I, I feel like Jay-Z's persona, like as a man, the, the Sean Carter that we know though is somebody who really lives in that space yeah like who you know celebrates the negativity for the positivity that they've gotten out of yeah always yeah i also wonder if part of it is just the idea that like look you can't show weakness ever like i'm a man and Mm. and you're not gonna take me down like you just not show weakness i wonder if, if some of that mentality um 
is uh, is in this song and in the, in his music in general. Maybe, but but again, to take it back to what I, I like about this song, like you know, I think to 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 go back to what you were talking about on on a previous episode about you know the 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 kind of creating like a sympathetic character by by you know being like okay this person may have done something bad but like doing something that showing something that humanizes them right? right like this story starting with him and his friend and them just being kids and you know growing up together and then you then seeing them in their two respective towers now trying to figure out ways to destroy each other because they're so motivated by greed right. I think is a really dope picture. Yeah, no, it is. It's it's a really good song, um, and it's it's something that I appreciate now more than I appreciate that at the time. Even though I knew that the the evils was a song that everybody loved, so it's mm. always a song that I respected. Uh, yeah. I just don't think I I could really understand what you highlighted. Um, I didn't really understand that at the time. I I get it now for sure. Yeah. Uh, this is definitely one of the better songs on the record. So another thing yeah. I think is funny is I, I went back and I read the um the sources uh, uh, review of this album. Mm -hmm. And they talked about this song specifically in the review. And the song talked about how, or the the song review talked about how, you know, Jay-Z has this in-depth song that's about the Illuminati and how the Illuminati is controlling everyone. And I was just like, did this person really listen to this song? Or is this somebody who was like paid to review an album <laughs> and they just heard Illuminati on my mind, soul and my body on the, on the hook. And then, Assume that the whole song was about the Illuminati. So I thought Probably that was funny. Probably that. <laughs> I feel like, yo, I feel like we as a media, as journalists, and I'm I'm not calling myself a journalist, but folks who are doing hip hop journalism, like just you can turn down a check. It's okay. Like we need to stop <laughs> doing this shit where motherfuckers is just trying to get a check. Yo, all right, yeah, I'm gonna listen to this album for 50 seconds and then I'm gonna give my 10 second review of an album like you're not delivering any value with that don't do it just turn down the check you don't need the check sorry anyway so 22 twos is this a, is this a highlight for you it's not for me is it for you it's not a highlight for me i think it used to okay. excuse me it used to be a highlight for me back in the day it's not a highlight for me now it's fine though it's cool yeah it never was for me um the only time i ever cared about this song if i'm really honest is uh when jay-z did the album live and he did 44 fours where he like switched up the lyrics and made it all fours i thought that was cool because i was like oh, okay like you're showing the versatility that you could do this again but i, I i'm really not a huge fan of these gimmick records with the exception yeah. of ebonics by big l and i still think that beat's not good and i still think ron browse is not good at making beats but anyway we can go yeah i think uh, <laughs> the good thing about this record particularly the placement is that it does feel like an interlude it does feel like a right special. right you know what exactly. i mean and i think that's just one redeeming quality agree so um it's also cool that like when the beat comes together this is from um this is another one from ski and mm -hmm. this is one that he he didn't really like this beat but oh, this really? verse this verse like whoever whoever's the woman who features on the um who features yeah. like uh, on the skit whatever she had a show what was the name what was the name of yeah that, she that had person? a show i don't remember um but but it was like big something um uh maria davis okay maria davis uh mad wednesdays right he used to spit this verse on mad wednesdays oh so uh, okay i didn't ski know ski had this beat the ski didn't like but jb was like oh i'm just gonna put this on there and so boom there it was i i, just, I think that's kind of cool and they they got her to come in and do the interlude so yeah, that's, uh, that's a cool little tidbit but um yeah i didn't even know that the song itself yeah it's, it's fine <laughs> um can i live 
Oh man. This yo, this this is my favorite sample on this project. Hmm. Hmm. It's not my favorite sample, but it's 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 one of them. Can I, I mean can Isaac I Hayes? Can I, can I? Oh man. You know Isaac Hayes is one of my favorite artists. Of, of course, yeah. So I mean, yeah, Doc. What can I say about this? I, I love I love this this beat. And I just love I just love Jay-Z's just like I just love his his affect. I just love his approach to this joint. You know what I'm saying? It's just I feel him. I don't know. I I, it's it's hard to describe. I just love this song. This is one of those like "Can I Live" just feels like such a New York thing. <laughs> like it's just like a phrase that I, I I would always hear. It's like "Yo, can I live?" Yeah. Like what's good? And it yeah. just this song like just embodies all of that. Um, but not from like. I don't know. It, it embodies everything, like all the best things about like the New York kind of attitude in hip hop <laughs> that weren't too commercial. Because this is not like a commercial song. Not at all. You know all. what I'm saying? Um, but this but yet, is like, like a roll down the windows in your car and just yeah. bang it type of record. Yeah. Yeah. This is a, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. I like this record a lot. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's definitely a highlight for me. Yeah. Um, ain't no nigga. Is this a highlight? Yes, it is. It's a highlight for me because it's aged very, very well. In fact, okay. I think I like this song more now than I did at the time. And I like the song at the time. Mm-hmm. But even now, I'm just like, yo, know, this, this shit just goes. Like, yeah. That's all I can say. It just goes. You yeah, know? It, it does just go. The other thing that I will say about this is like, this record to me is very hip hop. Yeah. Um, like like the early days of hip hop where like hip hop was almost just like a sponge and it just took a bunch of things and put them together and swirled them up in a pot and just brought it out, right? So you've got right. like seven minutes of funk, which had already been sampled before by EPMD, you know, so it's not like Correct. it was like we had never heard the sample before. Um, and then you got Ain't no woman like the one I got, the the four right. tops joint, which they did over again as the hook. Like it's just this kind of gumbo of shit that we've heard before, which is dope raps on top of it by artists that we we now like like I, I and you know for whatever reason i just i just like it and then and then the, i also really like the kind of um salacious like you know battle of the sexes piece where yeah. they're going back and forth at each other like you know it's, it's cute and 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 it draws you to the record right like like for you know my 12 year old ears there's no other record on this project that would have drawn me to jay-z he just is not he's just too soft-spoken and too understated for me but this beat and this thematics anybody can 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 digest it and and i think i really enjoyed that about it it's it's funky without feeling misplaced like we we talked before about the palette like the palette it works as well Despite the fact that it's a it's a it's a club party song, got yeah. bounced to it like yeah. nah, it still fits in with everything else, and so yeah, it's it's still a really really good song. And I gotta um, say, we shitted on Jazzo for for Farfik Nugan, <laughs> but he did make this beat and yeah. c- contribute the chorus, uh, and, you know, and concept of this song. So shout out to Jazz for this record; it was crazy. Friend or foe highlight? Yes, just the story. Yeah. How do you feel about the beat? Eh, it's fine. It's probably my reason- least favorite primo beat. Probably, and I think that's well. Uh, so gangster. I I probably prefer so ghetto to 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 a so ghetto friend of So I think when we talked spoke before about uh, volume one, and we talked about a friend of foe too. 
I preferred the volume one better because of the beat. Um, even though this friend or foe, like the story and, and his attitude and his whole demeanor on this, like where he's yeah. trying to talk business and he's just talking down to the guy, like, and it's just, yeah. just like, <laughs> I'm sorry, man. Like, I don't want to do this to you, but right. I have to. It's like the principle of it, right? Like, right, I, I get right. that. That's better on this album. The beat to me is better on volume one. But I mean, Way it's still better. Like, this is such an iconic song, though. Yeah. And I mean, you know, the other thing to to add, right, is is that hadn't he already dropped The Streets Is Watching prior to this? And that was like, that had this song previously on it with the whole the whole movie. Oh, he might have. I don't yeah, I actually think, know that. I want to say he dropped it before. And I might, I might be wrong. So, I, you know, we'll fact check that. But I feel like Friend or Foe was a part of this whole uh, Streets Is Watching, um, you know, soundtrack. And you know they had the whole movie to it and everything, and and yeah. this was like the main record where you know you see him and he's at the he's at the hotel and he's got the gun on the dude and you know he's he's talking to a friend of foe man state your biz you know what I'm saying never no matter the weather ever 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 ever, ever, ever come around here no more I've only seen clips of it I haven't actually seen that movie so. I remember uh, coming, you know, to to Chicago, you know, uh, visiting, you know, the family in the in the summertime and being with my cousins, and them watching it in the background. It was probably a bootleg version of the shit, but they had the joint playing in the background. I feel like this so, is a movie that uh, Panama could probably quote by heart. <laughs> it's definitely on that like that the <laughs> spectrum of 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 terrible great movies, uh, black movies. So he probably can. Alright. Uh Coming of Age. I love this song. Okay. All right. This isn't a highlight for you? It's uh is it a highlight for me? Um It's it's not a highlight for me, but I do like it musically. Mm. Like I said, it just adds to the palette. It just it just works in yeah. the in the sequ- sequence of, of the song that comes before and the song that comes yeah. after it. Um, again, like it's it's a, it's a great song. Just because I'm not, yeah. just because I'm saying it's not a highlight, doesn't mean yeah. I don't think it's a great song. It's just not, okay. it's not one of my favorite songs on this yeah. on this project. But I mean, I think it's a really really good concept. Yeah. Um, and again, it's like you have Jay Z coming off as a boss on his first album yes. already. You know what I mean? Like it's just it's just further just like you know. So let me go in on this. Uh, first of all, Clark Kent, great right. sample choice. Um, I want to spend a, a, a couple seconds just giving Clark Kent his flowers. Oh, yeah. I love Clark Kent. Um, every versus battle that Clark Kent has DJed, uh, 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 whether it was D'Angelo or Method Man and Red Man, he is fucking murdered. He is a godfather. Thank you, Clark Kent, for everything that you've done. I'm a DJ. I want to be like you when I grow up. You're the man. <laughs> First and foremost. Secondly, thank you for seeing Jay-Z and Biggie when nobody knew who the fuck they were and they were bummy-ass niggas on the train and being like, these are going to be two of the greatest rappers of all time. I don't know if that's true, but you said it, and I believe you. Thank you very much for giving us them. Thank you for putting the two of them together. Now, the coming-of-age story. Many people have probably already heard this, but if you haven't, I'm going to tell it again. Supposedly... Jay-Z writes this entire song, start to finish, and he knows that he's going to put this song on this album. Um, he had had been on tour with and on a soundtrack with Shaheem the Rugged Child from the Wu-Tang. He right. wanted to have Shaheem the Rugged Child to feature on Coming of the Age. He, I believe, was going to the projects in Staten Island or wherever the fuck Shaheem the Rugged Child was to try to find him. But at the time, 
Shaheem the Rugged Child was getting so big with the woo because he was the kid that was hanging out with the woo that he couldn't right. find him. So he kept trying to come around. He kept asking behind him and everybody was like, yeah, sorry. The kid's a star. Sorry. Can't find him. <laughs> Fuck it. So he's like, all right, well, then I got to find somebody who's in my neighborhood and get him to do the record. So Memphis Bleak. Uh, I believe he maybe used to hustle with Memphis Bleak's older brother or some shit like that. He was he was older than Memphis Bleak, and Memphis Bleak was from Marcy as well. Right. Did I did I miss that on something on that? I don't know about the story. I'm just doing the the math on how old Memphis Bleak was. He must have been either 15 or 16 at the time. Yeah, exactly. So he was so he was he was little brother age of right. of Jay. Um. So Jay decides to go around to you know try to get bleak to do to do this verse because bleak is an aspiring rapper um so he goes to get bleak to do this shit and uh you know bleak apparently he scoops bleak up to go record the joint and uh he takes bleak by he takes bleak by uh mcdonald's or burger king to pick up some food for bleak on the way there and he's and bleak orders like fucking seven or eight cheeseburgers and and jay goes all right well then you got to eat all of them right in front of me because i want to see if you're just trying to hustle me and get me to spend all my money on these burgers or if you're really going to eat them all bleak eats all of them <laughs> performs the first that that jay-z has has written for him because i guess jay had given him the, the verse beforehand he had practiced yeah. it he comes he drops it he kills it and he is a legend um, you know, he hadn't at the time told people that he hadn't written the verse for for a long period of time. But Jay wrote that verse and he became a legend. And then they later, you know, I think we had later told the story of him, them becoming a star from this verse and then not wanting to rap anymore. And Jay-Z having to come back to the projects to fucking pull him out because he thinks he's a superstar. But uh, man, legendary record, legendary performance. Uh, and anything with James and Tume on it, man, I'm looking out because that's my guy. So shout out to him, too. Got you. Got you. Um, me your thoughts. This is a this is one of my highlights. <sighs> this is a highlight for me, but it's a it's a it's a mi- I have mixed feelings about it. So go ahead. Tell I, us why it's a highlight. I mean, me. I just I love the flow on here. I love the Agreed. beat. Agreed. Um, I think this is probably one of the songs that is mixed the best on this album. I mean, that's true. You you can look the the entire project is mixed well, but you mm-hmm. can still go back and listen to a lot of these songs, even the ones that I love. And you can tell like, all right, this was produced like back in the mid nineties. In the nineties, Cashmere right. Thoughts. You know, does it sound like it could have been produced now? Probably not, just because of the style is different, but the quality mm-hmm. of the mix, it's a man. It's just like a, a just a plush record, right? Mm-hmm. And then you've got the the banter. Between mm-hmm. Jay Z and Clark and this whole like oh pimp mm-hmm. shit that they talking and right. he just spits like these bars and it's just like he's kind of like rapid just to rap but it's all this pimp shit and it just it just works like um, yeah. what does he what do he say he says uh, on um, Return of the Jedi from Rio de Janeiro on the red eye yet I still feel the need to be fly like his just this uh-huh. whole flow on here like just the way he delivers everything on it it's just like yeah. man it just sounds yeah. so silky and smooth and just like. Oh man, just like yeah. just the way this song sounds, I I fucking yeah. love this song. I feel like the things that Clark talked about made Biggie better than Jay Z. He mm-hmm. did very well on this particular song. Yeah. Um, the one negative that I will say is like, I, I don't believe him. 
And, um, you know, funny. I feel like the subject matter here, um, you know, very pimp heavy. And like, I, I just don't believe him. Like, I listen to the song and I'm like, wow, you're a guy who's saying shit really cool. Yeah. But like, do I believe that you're a pimp and bitch get up on your good foot and all of that? Like, I don't believe you, but it sounds dope. Look, I think when I was young, I didn't necessarily care because it just sounded so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think ordinarily, that's something that I probably would have called out. But the reason why it doesn't necessarily bother me on this record mm-hmm. is just like hearing Clark Kent talk about it. And he's like, look, we were just fucking around. Sometimes we just joke on some pimp shit. So mm-hmm. we just put this down. Mm-hmm. Like that's, I get the impression that that's all it was. So it's like, all right, we'll just do this. So, right. you know, is, is Jay-Z trying to sell me on this pimp shit? I don't know. I don't fucking <laughs> care. I just think this shit sounds smooth. So, yeah. yeah. Nah, this um, shit sounds very smooth. I, lo- I love it, too. Bring it on. Mm-hmm. Is this a highlight for you or no? I mean, it's yes. got the worst feature on here, but okay. It's a highlight for me as well. Yeah, it's a highlight for me. Go ahead. I just love the way this song sounds. I mean, I know it's not the last song on it, mm-hmm. um, but it kind of does close out the album in a I way. Agree. It's such I a agree. good, good sample. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the fact that he's got features on here. Apparently, apparently... Nas and AZ were supposed to be on this record. Dane what? tried to get them on here. Yes. Dane tried to get that. Nas and AZ on this record. They kept that saying yes and they kept getting jerked around. They kept not showing up. That's why I said that I, I don't think Nas ever fucked with Jay Z. Right. Um, so eventually they just got Big Jazz and Sauce Money to come on here. Got you. Yeah, man. Yeah. I'm I'm happy that that happened, man. I thought I thought Sauce Money uh did his thing on here. And I to me, that's one of the relationships that saddens me the most because I really, as a as a Jay Z fan, looked forward to Sauce Money features. I, I really like Sauce Money, and and I think the pregame um, on the Belly soundtrack is one of my favorite like J records. So I I'm sad that you know we didn't get to see more of the two of them together. Yeah. It's a good feature, um, mm-hmm. even though Big Jazz Jazzo has got some. Look that, I think that that Farkin Fark Nugan Farkin Nugan thing didn't like bother me back in the day. It was odd. I listen to it now and I'm just like, nah, that shit was whack. That yeah, shit was, was corny. Whack. I don't know what grown man thought that was a dope thing to say. Whatever, nigga, Farkin Nugan. Like, nah, nah, whatever. Say something else. You can literally rhyme anything else that rhymes nice. with doing and ruin or whatever they perceive it. You didn't have to use that line. Like, it wasn't dope. This but nevertheless, nice. like. He still sounds good on here with Jay. And I love like just how like solemn the beat sounds. Like it yes. just it sounds kind of yes. like heavy. You it know does. What I mean? It does. And I mean, yeah, thank you for for teeing up my point, right? Like when I talk about um, you know, the way the album is sequenced. Right. Um, it really gives like like the solemnness. It brings home the solemnness of like the subject matter. To where regrets, it's just it's just a perfect, you know, loop into the into into regret. So I, I think it's it's perfectly sequenced in terms of where it fits on the album. And speaking of regrets, it's not necessarily a song that's a highlight for me mm. because I think if you place it anywhere else else on the album, I'm not sure if I would like it. But I think mm. it's a really good outro. It's per it's a perfect outro, it's and it reminds outro, me yeah. it reminds me of uh, Nightmares by the Clips uh, on a, an oh, album okay. that I said that we should review. Eventually, know, we probably will. It's 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 the Clips uh, second album, but uh, they have a record called Nightmares, which they talk about like kind of the paranoia of of a hustler and you know what it what it's like. And I think Regrets is is kind of that record here, right? Like you know he's told us about all this shit about what it what it is to be a hustler. 
But at the end of the day, like this is kind of the record that that caps that feeling and makes it real. But then also yeah. gives us a way to look look to the future and be like, hey, yo, this shit happened. All right. All right. This is what you got to you got to deal with when you hustle. You know what I'm saying? Right. And like I said, it's kind of when I was talking about the evils, this is kind mm-hmm. of like, I guess, our moral base, mm-hmm. if you will, in the sense mm-hmm. that he's at least acknowledging that he's done effed up things. I mean, the simple fact that he's talking about regrets and you have to mm-hmm. live with them. He's still yeah. acknowledging that something is a regret, which means that he does, you know, regret living with certain things or re- re- regret certain certain actions. But yet, nevertheless, he's still living with it and still moving on. Right. And I'm not sure if that's just like the hardened Jay-Z. Mm-hmm. Who knows? But, um, you know, the fact that it comes at the end of the record, I think is perfect, especially given everything that precedes it, especially a song like The Evils that precedes it. Um, yeah. Friend or Foe, Coming of Age, all that, whatever. Um, yeah. But it's it's a very good outro for the record to me. And because Agreed. of that, it's it's an out it's a it's a highlight as an outro. Is it a track that I go back and listen to, just to listen to it? No, I'm I'm gonna listen to to Brooklyn's finest, feeling it, yeah. ain't no nigga, Cashmere thoughts, even even the evils. I'll definitely mm-hmm. listen to those tracks before I listen to regrets. But you yeah, know, that's given. Fair. Given, you know, the run, like just listening to this entire album on its whole, like you, you know, you have to have a song like Regrets yep. to close it off. So I yeah. think with that in mind, it's definitely perfect, like you said. Yeah, for me, um, there's actually a remix of uh, Regrets by Nicole Ray. When Nicole oh, Ray, really? yeah, when Nicole Ray joined uh, Rockefeller in, in the era of Dipset, um, mm. she did a remix of this song where like it was like her singing over it. And that's the song that like I go back and listen to before I'll go back and listen to this. But um but I still think it's super dope. I, and I love the, I love this beat. Um I love the sample. Okay. All right. So yeah, I think um I mean, you know, that that goes through the track for track highlights. Uh I guess we can touch on low lights a little bit. I mean, I don't have any track low lights, do you? Whatever, nigga. Far for Dugan. <laughs> do you have any overarching nah. low lights before before we close this out? I mean, we've we probably already touched on a few of them if we have any at all. Yeah, all I got is is that jazz old verse, which is not a low light. It's just kind of, um. And then twenty two twos is my least favorite song on this project. But other than yeah. that, I, there's no there's no real low lights for me on this project. Yeah, I think that's fair. I really like twenty two twos back in the day. I listen to it now. I can I could do without it. But nevertheless, it's fine on the album because it works like an interlude. Yeah, I, you know, I, I really don't have any any lowlights about this album other than things that I mentioned if those were even lowlights. So, yeah. One you know. thing we didn't discuss is uh, Can I Live Too, which uh, was on uh, the version, I think, of the of the album that I, I did buy. Um, and, it might have been and, on my version as well. It's uh, it's on the Spotify. Yeah, and I liked, I liked this record. I liked the sample, and I liked Bleak on it, but you know I like Bleak, so. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't have necessarily have anything else to, to, to say about the song other than it's a it's a good yeah. horn sample, kind of yeah. like a precursor to what some of his more like horn samples would sound like eventually. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like uh, like um, Volume Three time frame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily chopped the same way, but like the kind of horn that they would have used. Like yeah. this is like like just this is like a a type of horn that Just Blaze might have taken. Now he would have done something mm-hmm. different with different. it, but this yeah. is like one of the, one that he would have grabbed. You know what I mean? Right, right. Right. Yeah, but nah. I mean, that there's like, that there's not a whole lot that you can say about this album that hasn't been said. But you know, mm-hmm. we tried to tackle it in terms of what our perspective was on it. So yeah, 
So, I mean, yeah, it's a big project. Um, this is definitely one of my favorite Jay-Z albums for the mm-hmm. longest time. It's still one of my favorite Jay-Z albums, even listening back to it now. I think that there's yeah. there's songs on other albums that I definitely revisit more, that I enjoy more. But as a body mm-hmm. of work, yeah. yeah, this is solidly at least the second best album, I would mm-hmm. say. Yeah, it's, it's definitely top top best. two, top three uh, J albums, regardless of how you feel. It's probably yeah. number two for me. Um, and to me, it's just like the just like the low key witty humor of Jay. That you know, I keep mm-hmm. one eye open, like CBS. You see me stressed, right? Like the the way he approaches how he's rhyming on this shit is is just second to none. And you know, something I didn't appreciate as much back in the day was just how well they did musically. Because like I said, they're mm-hmm. all experienced. And mm-hmm. they were very, like like Jay is very instrumental in putting this album together. Yes. You yes. know, I think before it was very much like, all right, how do I become a star? How do I get hot for the record, mm-hmm. for, for the radio? Oh, mm-hmm. I'll fill in the rest of the record with whatever. And he could do yeah. that because he was making hits. He yeah. didn't really do that on this record. So he had to make a good, really, really good project. And he did that. And it's like I'm impressed. That's interesting. Impressed. And maybe and maybe that's why he changed it up, right? Maybe that's why he went chasing after Puffy and you know, chasing after DMX and, and on his on his you know third. Oh, like maybe, maybe he, you know, when he when he did rest on his laurels and try to make something amazing, nobody cared. Right. And so then he's like, Well, what do I have to do, you know, to get out here and get people to care about what I'm doing? So it's interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, unless you have anything else, I think that should wrap it up for our 25-year tribute for the for Jay Z's debut album, Reasonable Doubt. You got anything yeah, else? Yeah. Nope. Peace, y'all. Peace. Yo, peep the style and the way the cops sweat us. Uh-huh. The number one question is can the feds get us? Uh-huh. I got vendettas and dice games against uh-huh. ass betters and niggas who pump wheels and drive jettas. Take that with you. Hit your back splits up. Fuck fist fights and lame scuffles. Uh-huh. Pillowcase to your face, make the shell muffle. Shoot your daughter in the calf muscle. Uh-huh. Fuck a tussle, nickel plated. Sprinkle coke on the floor, make it drug related. Uh-huh. Most haters uh-huh. can't fade it. Uh-huh. While y'all pump Billy, uh-huh. I run up and stunt silly. Uh-huh. Scared so you sent your little mans to come kill me. Uh-huh. But on the contrary, I packed the Mac Millie. Squeezed off on him, left the paramedics breathing soft on him. What's your name? Who shot your my ties like Sinatra? Uh-huh. Peruvians tried to do me in. I ain't paid them yet. Trying to put 700s, they ain't made them yet. Rolex and bracelets, it's frostbit. Rings too, niggas riding away, call me igloo sticks. Oh, where you from? Brooklyn, going out for all. You don't stop. Best style. You won't stop. Nigga, Big smalls, nigga, shit your drawers. Brooklyn, represent y'all. Hit your falls, you crazy. Think a little bit of rhymes can play me. I'm from Marcy, I'm varsity chump, you JV. Trigger Jay Z. Nigga, baby, my uh. bed style flows malicious. Delicious, fuck three wishes. Made my road to riches from 62 gym stars, my mom's dishes. Uh. Graham chopping, police van docking. These at my doors knocking. Uh. Yeah, rocking, yeah. No more mister. Nice guy, I twist your shit. The fuck back with the pistols. Blazing. Hot like Cajun, hotter than even holding work at the day's end. With New York plates outside, get up out of there. Keep your hands high, shit gets steeper. Here comes the Grim Reaper, Frank Wright. Need the keys to your innkeeper. That's right.
right. Chill, homie. The bitch in the Shonies told me you're holding more drugs than the pharmacy. You ain't harming me, so pardon me. Pass the safe before I blaze the place and hit six shots just in case. 